to the RylaCast, the official podcast of Camp Ryla, Rotary District 5810. My name is Greg Tupper. I'm speaking into a microphone. There's another microphone on this table. And speaking into that microphone, you will find the real star of the show, the award-winning podcast host, it's Andrew Josie Utz. Well, hello, Greg. Hi, Thank Andrew. You. That was... It's good to see you, bud. I was... It's good to see you too. Sorry, I don't want to. No, it's fine. That's fine. Your pleasantries. Don't lie to me. Um, No, I was uh, to peel back the curtain. I was confused when you were introducing and saying, Mm -hmm. you know, yada yada yada. I was going to speak into a microphone because we have a third microphone in the room. That's true. Thanks for uh, thanks for going ruining the big the big reveal there. I mean, we have four mic. I'm looking at four microphones. It's actually another one over there. There's five microphones. There's another one in the closet. Six. Yeah. But only three of them are hooked up to this podcast recorder because we have a very special in-studio guest. She has ducked us and dodged us mm-hmm. for 24 episodes. But finally, finally, the injunction came through, and we are pleased to be joined by Michelin McNeely. Yay! Thank you. Thanks for dodging you. Thanks to the courts for making this happen. We really appreciate uh, the the local district court. I am glad to be here. Is that a requirement of the <laughs> of the TRO that you have to uh, you have to be saying that? Yes, oh, yes. Fine. They said that in the contract. Well, thank you for for joining us. We know that you hate this. And that's like that's kind of what makes this fun because I know Josie loves this. I am ambivalent to it, but you, I know, I can see it in your eyes. I know you are super tense. I'm super tense. You guys should have a mini bar in here or something. I mean, we can we we can arrange that. I mean, the Rila's got deep pockets. Rila does not have deep pockets. (laughs) Please donate to the Rila Foundation. Seriously, Um, please. (laughs) But. We're very glad that you're here. Thank you. Because it's a very special episode, not just because you're here, but because you've brought us a topic. Uh, We sent you the big list of words. We said, please choose one of these from this big list of words. Do you remember, and I'm going to put you on the spot here. (laughs) I do remember, but I don't think I picked off your big list of words. No, you didn't because you went off off book, but that's fine. What was your big... What was, what was your, your, your topic that you spun the topic wheel in? I went for grounded. Grounded. So now we have to formulate a whole darn podcast around the idea of being grounded. Um, go ahead. Make your joke about being sent to your room. No. Right. Everybody's was, favorite punishment. No. When Mish picked grounded, all I could imagine was Kevin Foster grounding <laughs> Mish growing up. And I did tell my wife... No on, the, on the way over here, who's going to be the first one to make a grounded dad joke? Tepper or me? And Joni said it might be Mish. Well, it was. It ended up being me in like a roundabout way, but I was accusing you of thinking about it because I knew you were. Uh, now, you have kids. I do. I have two kids. You have two kids. And they are – they're older than my kids. So how old are they? I've got a seventh grader and a fourth grader. Seventh grader and fourth grader. So they're mm-hmm. in prime grounding age. Oh, yeah. They're prime, mouthy, funny, <laughs> mm-hmm. everything can and will happen phase. Do you ground your kids often? No. Actually, no. I run a pretty tight ship. That is Believe not it or not. I, actually. But I believe it. I want to subscribe to the Mish McNeely book of parenting. <sighs> like whenever it comes out. I don't know that I'm you in. do, though. I do. You know, they're just tiny humans that's what i call them Mm -hmm. 
Also, I- also, uh, let me just chime in. Scientician here. Factually accurate. Go on with your story. Yes, factually accurate. But they are. They just treat them like people. Lay the expectations out. Like on purpose? Yeah, on purpose. So they, I mean, they're really good. I, I do crown. I do ground, but it's few and far between. Okay, but I'm also, and I promise we'll get into your topic here in a moment, but. Uh, so I have a one-year-old at home, and I've got to tell you, he seems more like a a, a machine that soils diapers than he does uh, a, a tiny human sometimes. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Mine are at the perfect tiny human age. Yeah, they are. But when they're young, like, I don't have to start treating my kid like a tiny human, right? No. I can still treat him like a... Squishy little baby. Yeah. Okay. Yes. All right. So the word today is grounded on this, the RylaCast. If this is your first episode, uh, welcome. We appreciate you spending a little bit of your day with us. And we divided up big segment, small segment, uh, and here with something to think about on the topic of being a grounded leader, we go to America's sweetheart, Andrew Josiotz. Well, thank you, Greg. You're welcome, Josie. Um, and also, thank you, Mish, uh, for sending me my big segment material today. Uh, Wait, what? Yes. <laughs> True. Well, yeah. No, 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 no. You, you, sent, you sent him Cliff's Notes, like cheat sheet? He asked. Look, Sometimes look, you just have to ask. Look, oh. thank you. That's, well, podcast the, is over. The worst thing tip. that could happen is they're going to say no. I am offended and hurt and and hurt. Why didn't you ask? Because I don't have the big segment. A small segment. Mm. But <laughs> he lined out who had what segment. Whatever, go ahead. All right. So I am reading um, from an article. Uh, Where'd you find this? The interwebs. Okay, great start. Thanks, Al Gore. <laughs> I am reading um, from an article from Bob Rosen, who... Of course. Of course. Uh, But just for those of you who don't know. Of the famous Rosens. Famous Rosens. Not Josh. Um, He's a little older than Josh. Uh, He's the founder and CEO of Healthy Companies International and the best-selling author of the book Grounded, How Leaders Stay Rooted in an Uncertain World. Mm. So I'd like for this to be a conversation, Mish. Feel free to jump in whenever you have. I'll I'll back out. Yeah, if you can back out. You've got the small segment. Uh, No, you can jump in too, Greg. So there's six roots of a grounded leader, um, and those six just basically are, just off the top of my head, social health, <laughs> vocational health, spiritual health, um, sprouting healthy roots uh, leads you to physical health and emotional health. Okay, so explain what that means, though. So, yeah, so so if you think of grounded the idea of being grounded is kind of something that's that's a bit tough to wrap your head around. Uh, people equate it to, um, I'm sure people have heard, "Hey, that guy's so down to earth. He just he seems to be with it." Like, what does that mean? Um, so, being grounded, if you think of leadership as a tree, okay, okay. So, being grounded is you're you're the entire tree. You're not just what people see. So, you've got to make sure you have strong roots in the ground that help you essentially bloom where you're planted and bloom big and strong okay so what you're saying is to make sure that not any sort of slight breeze call it adversity Mm. will come and knock you over you want to make sure that you are firm in 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 your roots if we're going with the tree analogy here right firm in your roots and it's not just adversity um that 
that can blow you over. It's temptation. You know, it's making sure that if you are tempted by something, you can't reach out and get it. You know, if you're a mm. baby tree, you can just a sapling uproot a sapling, if you will. You can uproot and move over and plant your tree somewhere else. Um, so the six roots of a grounded leader really focus on being well-rounded. Is that? Yeah, I mean, concur? I would agree. I think. And recognizing your tree, if we're going to go with the metaphor, um, and not worried about necessarily what your foliage looks like or pruning your tree or whatever. Um, I mean, those things are important, but if those are surface things, right? Those are things that people are seeing on the surface. They're not who you are at your inner core, um, which is, I think, an important part about being grounded. And they're not that to to go even further. And this is now an uh, an arborist podcast. not only that, but those things that you're talking about are not the things that are going to keep you upright. Correct. Right? Like ooh, the color of your leaves or, or the, you know, the, the berries or what have you, whatever kind of tree, your, your pine cones. Um, or even the season of your leaves. Sometimes yeah. you don't have any. Correct. That's okay too. But the, right. And that, but those are not, those are not constant. Those are those are fleeting, right? Those are going to change, and that's okay, as long as the things that don't change are strong, which are things about because you know you can have all those wonderful things, you know, but if you have weak roots, then it's not going to matter because you're going to get knocked over by uh, a kid throwing a football and running headlong into you. Well, Just, I think it's important I mean, to think too that um, your roots aren't always in the same spot either, you know, <laughs> and so I think it's more of a thinking of being grounded within yourself because life continually changes. I'm in a spot in my life now, right? With my tiny humans where my Mm -hmm. tree is planted somewhere different than yours is right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's going to be continuing to be replanted and recognizing that, Hey, it's okay for me to uproot myself and go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, Knowing foundationally, this is who I am. So regardless of where I'm at, at that spot in my life, career, education, whatever, that I've got that that foundation and I can pick it up and take it with me wherever I'm at. Oh, so what you're saying... Okay, so this is interesting. So what you're saying is that even though you have roots, those roots have to be... They have to be almost like movable. You yes, know what I mean? Like they absolutely. Have to, you have to be able to be able to pick up and, and, and go somewhere, especially, I would say, Mish is 26 years old and so she is like in, in an age where they're very, you know... Young people are very mobile. They right. have a lot of different, you know, they've got a lot of different things going on. And so, especially for young people like Mish, you need to be able to um, be able to pick up and move while still remaining strong wherever you end up. And, and I guess that that's, that's, that's an interesting point that I hadn't considered in this analogy. Well, thanks for pointing out my age. Might yes. be. Just yeah, that's, we'll edit that out. Thank you. I will um, not edit that out. I'm the editor, and I will. No, not edit but I that think out. I think if you're too grounded, mm-hmm. then you're that person that, you know, plants their feet on the ground and is like, "Well, I'm not budging. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not willing to move. I'm not willing to go one way or the other. I'm not willing to meet you in the middle. I'm not willing to, you know, change." And I think that's a big detriment. Is it is when we talk about you know the leaves always changing and that part always changing. That if you can't have some movement with it. You know, you're going to be dead in the water, in my opinion. So the important part is not to confuse grounding with stubbornness. Right. Mm. 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 See, that's that's really good. Good job. Um, okay. 
Well, yeah. So I guess, uh, you know, I, I briefly touched on mm-hmm. the six roots of a grounded leader. Um, and the, so how do you get, how do you get grounded? And I know we're wrapping up kind of the big segment here, but it's, it's important, you know, with that social health, um, aspect that you really build an environment of individuals that you trust and they can be mutually beneficial relationships, but, um, you have to make sure that, um, you really have somebody that you can bounce some ideas off of and make sure, you know, you're, you're not just one lone tree, you're a tree in a forest. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think it's balance. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know in my life personally, if I'm out of balance at work, I'm not a good mom. I'm not a good wife. If I'm, you know, full on with my kids at that moment, I'm not a good employee and I'm not a good boss and I'm not those things. And so it's never going to be 50-50, right? You're never going to be balanced in all regards. Um, but if you're not paying attention to your physical health, that's going to throw you off balance. If you're not paying attention to your emotional health, that throws you off too. And so some days, yeah, it's going to be 80-20. Sometimes it's going to be 60-40. But I think if, if any one of those things, you know, is not your spiritual health, whatever it might be, if one of those things is not getting the nourishment and the attention it needs, then it totally throws you off balance. Okay. Okay. That was a good big segment. That was a really thank good you, big segment. Thank you, Mish, for providing the materials. And Josie, thanks for reading them. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> thank you both. I, I searched long and hard for all of the content that I'm going to bring on here. And you're just like, hey, Mish, you got something? Well, it was a text, well, so it was a little more subtle. Yeah, but it was a voice to text. No, it wasn't. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I bet that you, you're just screaming into your iPhone <laughs> as you're driving 60 miles an hour to the office to I, record the podcast. I was like, hey, Mish. You're um, one of my big role models. Oh, God. Yeah, did you see what I just saw? No, go ahead. Like, no, you, you're you're just buttering up Mish. Look, I'm buttering up Mish, but I'm not buttering up Mish. Like, a Mish is pretty much like the great white buffalo of All right, great buffalo. Um, the great <laughs> We'll get into that. It's okay. Okay. Thank you guys for, for that, the, the big segment here. Uh, but now, pretend there's a commercial break here. You guys, I'm dying what do you mean is this going bad no No. i really do need a cocktail we're not editing this out by the way yes you need to edit this out no this is going great i hate talking out loud do you not do you not you're not having fun i'm awkward i feel awkward you're not awkward you're doing great no uh and here to talk more about herself Is our special guest? It's Michelin McNeely. Yay! Yay! All right, Mish. Down to brass tacks. Okay. Okay. First and foremost, rank your children. Rank my children. I love my white golden doodle biscuit. Mm. So that's one. one first. Okay. Number one. <laughs> that yeah. was not fair. Okay. So we're going to start this conversation like we always do uh, by asking you about your Ryla story. And you have a. Um, you have a lot of different branches in the Ryla tree. I do. <laughs> Look at that. Analogy. Anyway, <laughs> tell me a little bit about your, your Ryla story. So I grew up in a family of where my father was a Rotarian. And so um, he went off to camp probably when I was a second grader and left for camp. And honestly, I was a little bit miffed. You know, he took off a week in the summer to go hang out with all these other kids. And I was like, well, hey, I'm I'm here. It's summer. I'm out of school. And so, um, you know, think it was going to be a one summer thing. And the next summer it's, hey, I'm going off to this camp again. And 
Um, so we were exposed to it from an early age. And, um, you know, then here came my time to apply. And of course, I begrudgingly did. Um, <laughs> honestly, just nervous about it. Not sure I wanted to be a part of it. No, have known about it, you know, all that time. Um, even to the point where it was time to go to camp. And my dad's already at camp. And I'm like, you know, getting sick in the car on the way to drop off. Like, oh, mom, I'm pretty sure my throat hurts. I can't. Uh, Man, really? Are you going to send me to camp with this fever, you know? Um, but I went, and as all of us did, it was an incredible experience. But I think it really, it goes up a level to have that experience with somebody in your family. I mean, I know you've got Joni there. Like, just mm-hmm. having that experience and be able to connect with somebody on that level. Mm-hmm. Not only of the camp experience, but then from a this family experience, honestly, is a, the greatest one of the greatest gifts I've had in my life. Okay, so who's your dad? My dad is Kevin Foster. Okay, good. So I, I, I want to reset. You got to make sure, like yeah. I know that. You know, I'm gonna have to when I see him. I'm seeing him actually next week. I'm gonna have to put this on his phone. Because it will like rock his world even to even figure out what a podcast is. So, wow, I think to, I, um, I I think you owe him a little bit more. I, I don't think so, actually. <laughs> I think Kevin is extremely savvy. But I think that's he just is too. that's just me. You can say whatever you want. You're his daughter. Said right. it, and it's on tape. Um, so, what do you do now? Now I. Um, I uh, work at a company that does live event and video production. Like um, like a pine car derby? Exactly. Like, pine okay. car, no. Pinewood uh, derby? Like pine pine wood. Wood. You're looking for pinewood oh, derby. It's fine. I think that's Boy Scouts. That um, is Boy Scouts. I built pinewood. No, I mean, we do large-scale corporate events, um, political events. We work with retailers, um, do a lot of multi-level marketing Um but we do, yeah, large corporate events. And so we're talking about like big seminars type stuff. Uh, conventions, mm-hmm. um, you know, customer meetings, things like that. How'd you get into that? Um, hormones. I was. In, <laughs> was I'm sorry. I'm just I looking know. around to I make know. sure everyone else heard that. I, yeah. <laughs> Waiting for the live. I uh, I was in a post production television house when I came out of um, college, and you know, TV happens. You know, every week, um, there's never a day off. There's never time off. Um, and I had my uh, firstborn and went back to work and was like, you know, this is not working. Um, at the television uh, house, we were doing um, award shows at the mm-hmm. time. So starting to get in the live events. And I was like, hey, I'm, I'd like to do this, but I, I'm done with the hours that television is and um they were like well hey we're just really wanting to stay in television we're actually not wanting to do the event side Mm. and so in a moment of exhaustion and hormones and having a newborn at home i quit my job which is what everyone wants to hear Mm -hmm. hey honey i quit today I don't have a backup plan, but, um, anyway. but how was your day? But how was your day? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, but I, I decided then I was going to freelance in AV, you know, um, technical directing shows and calling shows. And within two months of quitting, um, the first client called and said, Hey, we need you to do our show. And so I quickly incorporated and that's actually been 13 years this year. Wow. What's your degree in? Uh, broadcast journalism. From where? 
uh, A&M, but they don't have that degree anymore. So I like to tell people I shut down that school. They were never going to do any better. Yeah. They were never going to do any better. Um, okay. So then how would you say that you use the things that you learn not only at camp, but just in the whole Ryla sphere? Rylosphere. That sounds like a really like cool, a, like, battle dome. Anyway, the Rylosphere. Don't, don't, don't. Um, how would you say you use the you use the lessons, the things you learn from there in, 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 in your, your daily life? You know, live events are a lot of pressure. And I realize I'm saying this and people listening are probably doctors and jobs that really do have real-life pressure, right? There's no lives at stake with my job. But there's only one shot at a live event. You know, some events we plan 18-plus months for – and we got one shot at whatever that session is, or we've got one shot at that opening act. Or um, so it's a lot of pressure, and you know, um, it's working with a lot of people. A lot of people I don't know. Um, any given show site, I can walk out, and there's 30 people I've never worked with before. But the 30 of us have to work perfectly together to execute this event, and so it's taking a lot of personalities, um, a lot of people's temperaments, um, a pressure cooker of a atmosphere if you will mm-hmm. and having to navigate what that looks like for everybody and being willing to meet everybody where they're at you know to have a perfect show so to just jump around in the life of mish so you've had you've been back to camp have you ever missed i have um i got married in the summer and had two kids in the summer selfish so yeah as much you as, even committed i know i mean <laughs> It was like, stay home, have Chris Kellen deliver my baby. You know, like, Ooh. you got to make a choice. You got to make a choice. I got to be honest. No. The answer is a hard no. <laughs> okay. All right. Never mind. Okay. Fine. So um, so what are the different roles you've had at camp? And then a follow-up question. Yes. Is which one of those is your most favorite? And a follow-up question. Okay. Which to one the is the most challenging? Okay, those are all good. Um, you know, I've been on staff. I've uh, been a counselor. And the last two years now, I've been the counselor trainer. I don't know if we have an official title. Counselors are. Mm-hmm. Counselors are. I've been the counselors are. That's good. Um, you know, um, obvious here on this podcast, I'm painfully awkward. So I love being in a cabin because I can focus on those, you know, 12, 14 girls. Um, I can kind of be in my um, my bubble of... Your uh, comfort zone? Yes. I could be in my comfort zone. But I can be... Um, I can worry about the 12 of them and not have to worry about what anything else that's going on in the camp. Because my focus is those soul kids. Um, and so for me, that's less pressure, if you will, um, and that I get to pour into those 12 versus um, the camp. So I would say my, I love being in the cabin, um, but I love this now too. I think that the counselor's job, as Greg doesn't know yet, we're going to get you there, Greg, but the counselor's job, I think you have such an influence on these, on these um, individuals and, you know, long-term you are helping them get to college. You're helping them get to their careers. They're having their first kids. They're getting married. Um, All these things are happening, and you get to have a front row seat of it. You get to work with them. You get to continue to support them all through those stages of life, and that's pretty spectacular. And so um, for me, there's no greater 
give back, you know, that I get out of it than getting to be a part of these people's lives. And so um, for me, like counselor all the way is where I like to be. Okay. So then you've been to every camp. Uh, what, what was your camper year? If you don't mind me blowing up your spot. 1998. 1998. Okay. Um, it, it, you've kind of explained it, but I'm going to make you kind of put a fine point on it Mm -hmm. why do you keep coming back you're a busy person you have a you have a career you have a company you have uh, a husband and a dog and also two tiny humans like why is it important for you because you it's not just the week at camp that you're involved in you're involved in the rila program year round it's a commitment why why is it important for you to stay involved in this well my motivations changed over the years so I used to just love the time with my dad, and I still very much like that. Um, You know, with him living in Illinois and me living here in Dallas, we haven't lived in the same state in 22 years, right? And so um, that relationship never gets old to me. Like, I I selfishly now love that part because I just get time with him during the week. Not a lot of time, right? But it's great seeing him every day. Um, that's not a norm in my life, and I really enjoy that. So for a while, it was just that was my motivation to come back. I, of course, loved all the people, the experience, and being with the kids. Um, and then I started having kids of my own, and it totally opened my eyes to a whole other world and a whole other perspective. And so um, now having a kid who is, you know, four short years from walking through that door in a cabin my motivation and honestly my expectation is I am hopefully having a a hand in the next group of leaders the next group of people that come through our program because I'm banking on when my awkward teenager walks through the door that I've had a hand in someone who's going to raise him Mm -hmm. and um and and I think too it is a huge um it is a huge lesson for my tiny humans that they see what this is. That um, in, a, in an age right now where there's so much instant gratification and um, so many things that are focused around them and around their world, I think it's good for them to see like, hey, I got to go take care of some stuff because I'm out there working with some other kids. I'm out there trying to make a difference, you know, and do these things. And it's a good lesson for them, for them to see where my priorities are and where what grounds me. Um, and so having that shift with the kids, you know, it's really changed my motivation for while I want to, or, you know, why I want to stay involved. Um, it also doesn't hurt that I learned some great stuff in the cabins. And so I'm like, wait, what is that slang for? Or what are you guys really up to? Because so now I get, no, well now I'm She's like, a narc. I'm not a narc. But it keeps me apprised of, like, I can see you mouthing that. Um, It keeps me, like, in the loop of, like, oh, if you do, you know, what they're up to or what they're saying or what they're doing so that I can try to stay one step ahead of the kids of, you know, calling out their their mastermind plans of, hey, I actually know what you're up to. That's going to get you grounded. Hey. See what I did there? You see? Brought it back for you. It's it's not a homonym. It's just a different meaning. I don't know. Yeah. Go on with your thing. Um, But I was going to – so Ryla is put on by Rotary. Mm -hmm. And I believe you may be one of the few um, guests we've had on this podcast who is actually 
an active Rotarian. I am. I am an active Rotarian. I am in the Richardson Midday Club. Shout out Midday Club. I know. Shout out to the Midday Club. Um, You know, go ahead. How long have you been a Rotarian? Um, I'm on my second year. I'm actually um, the young generation's chairperson. So um, Rotaract, Interact, the RILA program, um, that's what I'm in charge of for our club. Got the inside scoop. Yeah, you know, um, it's been an, um, it's been awesome getting to know a whole new group of individuals. Um, and what's really been awesome is they're so interested in what we're doing. Mm-hmm. They're so interested in us as a group. Um, they're interested in the um, you know progress we're making with students and. You know, I think all of us as Rila alum can do a better job of getting back in and infiltrating these clubs, if you will, um, and teaching them about what we're up to. Okay, I've got two final questions. First and foremost, we want to open up the floor for you, give you the floor, that if there's something you want to plug, there's something you want to promote, something you want to tell people about, something they should check out, this is your time. So here's 60 seconds. Something you should check out. Um... Okay, totally out of left field. Um, I am super proud um, that one of my nearest and dearest friends, her first book um, hits the shelves in April. Mm. It's called The Big Finish by Brooke Fossey. Um, It is her first book that's being published. Um, It's kind of a big deal, you guys. Um, It's actually, it's a huge deal. And so um, I'm really excited for her. I'm really proud of her. And it's a really good book. I got a Oh, advanced copy. I did. It wasn't even an advanced copy. Like the literary world is so, um, it's so crazy. They send out these books and then you can't, you can't crinkle the pages. You can't, right? right? Mm -hmm. So I was reading it just so carefully, barely opening it. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, her book comes out, um, hits the shelves next month. Exciting. Mm -hmm. Finally, last question. Spell your name. We had this debate today because Josie was worried about what I go by. I, and let me elaborate. So Michelin. You're the only person the I've ever met named Michelin. I have a namesake. I'm actually named after a Michelin. I, I was, that's where my ah. next question was going to be. Do you, she is famous, uh, Mish. Uh, we both go by Mish. But Mish, um, in like the 1981 like Pan-America games in Indianapolis, you can look this up, you can bet this, in Indianapolis, she ran up to Muhammad Ali and kissed him and then ran off and for you know 30 40 years everyone was trying to figure out who this mystery woman was that ran up and made out with muhammad ali and recently like in the last few years her son ratted her out uh, to the newspaper the indianapolis star i think is what it was and was like oh yeah that was totally my mom that did that and that's my namesake so okay so (laughs) e or no e when you shorten it. Okay, so when yeah. I was a kid, right. when I was a kid, they called me, she was Mish, and I was Mishy. Okay. Right? Because if you got two Michelins, you got to make the distinction. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's why they did it, but I was, she was Mish, I was Mishy. And then when I got older, I didn't really like the Mishy. It felt childlike. So I just went to Mish. Um, so I've been Mish since. So I just dropped the E. So it depends. That was going to be my answer back to you today. It depends where I'm at and who's talking to me. My parents still will call me Mishy. So I spell it Mish with an E, but pronounced Mish. 
Right. And I just do the M-I-C-H, which is probably Mitch. Mitch. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm. Okay. It's a lot of name talk. Well, I just, I'll be, you're the only Josie I know. That's Whoa. a made-up name, I think, though. Okay. Well, well just buy everybody. There. <laughs> I don't think it's a made-up name. I'll I think you, you have value. Uh, there are Gregs all over the place, and most of them are lame. But um, anyway, Mish, thanks for being our guest. You're welcome. Thanks Michelin McNeely, everybody. Yay! And again, pretend that there's a commercial break here. If you'd like to sponsor this podcast, please get in touch with Josie at the following email address. InfoRyla5810 at gmail.com. We're looking for uh, advertisers with live production promotion companies mm. currently. Just imagine weird. this space. And you know what? I'm not above doing a live read. No. I'll do a live read for anything. I'll do a live read right now. I don't have one because okay. we don't have any advertisers. But. Bluff? Bluff. All right. Let's go to something to leave you with, which is my responsibility in this one. And so I was not handed a script by our guest. Instead, I had to work and claw and scratch and also Google some things to talk about in this. And so the topic is grounded, right? That's the topic that Mish came up with. And I found this article. Do you read Medium a lot? You're familiar with Medium? Yes. Medium? I like Medium, but I have a I have a tortured relationship with it because i i hate the way it's laid out it's terrible it's just it's so like i think their app is a little bit better than the desktop version but man it's see i only look on the app i can't even take the desktop Mm -hmm. version it's awful anyway it's this person named amelia cruz and she mentioned something about that that really stuck with me about how being grounded is really about where you fall on the pushover bulldozer scale which i love okay so I think we all know what a pushover is, right? Somebody who's, oh, we've got a, a hand raise. Okay. You're, you would, you would self-describe as a, as a pushover? I'm, yeah. I know, maybe a doormat. You know what? I think you're wrong. Really? Mm-hmm. I do. I'm hoping you're going to accept that and be like, oh, well, I guess you're right, <laughs> Greg. I don't know. Keep going, though. I want to hear the scale because okay. I'm interested where I fall. So, but, the, but the thing is that basically what they're talking about is you want to find it somewhere in the middle, right? Ideally, they don't talk about the scale. They're just saying, oh, what, do you lean more towards being a pushover? Do you more lean more towards being a bulldozer? And I think we can all kind of imagine what a bulldozer is, somebody who's going to come in and just, like, impose their will on the situation. Me. Yeah. That's – yep. Okay. So three ways to not be a pushover. One, have clear intentions. Okay? If you go in there with okay. a goal, I think that you're a lot more likely to, to come out of it with, uh, with, with what you want. Two, build courage. I think that's kind of obvious, right? Is that like ultimately it's going to have to come from self-confidence and standing up for yourself. You're not going to be a pushover. And three, and I thought this was interesting, was be adaptable. That mm. In a lot of ways, I think that what you've got to figure out is – what are your non-negotiables? Figure out what those are. Everything else we'll, we'll figure out uh, along the fringes. But being adaptable, I think, is key to not being a pushover. So let's go to the other side of it, right? Not being a, not being a bulldozer. One is have humility. I think, you, I think a lot of what, whenever you're accused of being a bulldozer, comes down to you've got to remember that you might be wrong. And there's a, actually a pretty decent chance that, yeah, you, that you are wrong. That's the, I, I would say that 60% of the time. You're wrong. Or for me, like, way up there. Right? Do you think you're a bulldozer? I think I'm probably... I think I have a decent balance. Hopefully. 
Well, I, I don't think know. you it's, do. I think it's it's hard to self-identify. It's hard, hard to like self-diagnose. Uh, I don't know. I would say that uh, you be quiet. I'm talking now. <laughs> um, two, be empathetic. So it's like even though Josie just interrupted me, I empathize with him because he really wants to get a word in edgewise. But I just shut off his mic, so he's not going to be able to. And three, remain curious. And I think that's so huge too because it's like it, it, the, the, the best way to avoid being a bulldozer is to recognize that other people have something to teach you. And so the only way to do that is to, to be curious. If you're just in, out there trying to do whatever you're – you know, just I'm confident that whatever I'm doing is, is, is exactly right, then you know, you're never going to want to learn. And so yeah, why would you, you listen to anybody else? You can't put blinders up to the world. You have okay. to be able to let that in. So you would say you would identify more as a pushover than – I mean – So if we're going scale of 1 to 10, right, where 1 is extreme pushover and 10 is extreme bulldozer, where do you think you would fall? Probably for 90% of my life, 3.5. Okay. So more – not total pushover, but more pushover than bulldozer. Yes. Okay. More um, – I think – I have a ton of empathy for people um, and a ton of consideration, I guess, if you will. And so I tend to, I don't want to say roll over in this scenario, but there are most things I'm willing to give. So back to your point, like I'm willing to give on a lot of things. Is it, is it, and we're just diving into the mind of Mish here, uh, is it that you're willing to give it or that you are somebody who just tries to pick their battles a little bit better? Oh, I think it's for sure picking my battles. Mm-hmm. But I think at this point in my life, too, there's things that I've, you know, all 26 years here, right? Um, there's things that's just not worth it to me anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not worth it to me. It's not It's not worth, you know, getting called off sides for anymore. I think at one time I was for sure more on the edge of the bulldozer. Mm-hmm. Um but now I know what I'm willing to fight for, what I'm not willing to, and what's not even worth my energy. Josie, scale of one to ten. Um, I'm probably a three. Like, I'm a three unless it's, like, one thing that I know I need to be a bulldozer for. Mm-hmm. And then it's, like, a nine. What's your one thing? Um, like, it's – I don't have, like, a one – like – If there's a, something that's a non-negotiable type thing. Yeah, like, today at work. We had a situation come up, and the person I was talking to was like, hey, just didn't get that done. And I was like, that's great, but we really needed it done. Mm-hmm. So I went from like three to nine real quick. I think, I think I'm probably like a six. I think I'm probably a little bit more on the bulldozer than the pusher, or at least I think I am. I don't know. I think I've probably gotten maybe it's just because my role at work has changed, and maybe it's because like my role in, in – humanity has changed recently uh that i would say that i'm probably a little bit more becoming more of a of bulldozer bulldozer than a pushover but i will also say that all of us are within the margin of error right it's like we're all kind of like around you know self-diagnosing along this i don't think anybody's like i'm a nine you know what i mean i'm a complete bulldozer uh, mm-hmm. yeah but they might you think so? I, yeah. You think there are people? Up, there, you think there are people who are listening? Who's like I'm a nine? Like they're thinking. I that think right now. so. I think if you're being honest with yourself, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't really like saying out loud that I'm a pushover, right? But that's more okay. my. Yeah, record. I know. Yeah. But it that's more my natural place, and I guess to Josie's point, like, yeah, there are things you're going to call me offsides for, um, and that I am going to be the bulldozer. But for the most part, that's where I'm at. I'd like to be more yours, five or six, somewhere in there, but. But no matter what. By recognizing that and being aware of that is how you can stay grounded. You did it. All right. We did it. I pointed I to him it. and he said the word. Full circle. All right. We're back. Mish, thanks for joining us. Thanks for fun. having thanks, me. Was this, as, was this as painful as you thought it was going to be? 
It's pretty painful. All right. Great. But thank you. I'm glad it's here. I'm glad I'm checked it off. And you're done. And I'm done. We won't bother you anymore. Yay. Uh, I'm not. Record that. You're not going to bother me. No, I'm kidding. Uh, That is going to do it for us. Thank you for spending a little bit of your day uh, with us. Uh, If you like the podcast, please rate and subscribe to the podcast and tell a friend. And here with an antiquated way of how to tell a friend uh, about this podcast is Josie. Grab a leaf off that grounded tree. Mm -hmm. Grab some papyrus and Mm -hmm. just go ahead and write that. Like Rylacast? Write Rylacast on there. Mm. Mm. And uh, Mm. throw it in the air like a paper airplane. Perfect. Mish, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. And Josie, thanks for your courage. Thanks, Greg. See you next time. Rylacast.